Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Sherelle McMillan and Ross Martin. You're listening to the Inside Carolina podcast. We've got Sherelle in for Greg Barnes, giving Barnes the night off. Ross in his usual spot here on our weekly basketball podcast. I'll start with you, Ross. Uh, Carolina coming off a ugly, ugly loss against Louisville. The ACC is what it is. Pittsburgh beats Florida State tonight. Syracuse beat Duke uh, tonight in Cameron. Anybody can beat anybody, but certainly that Louisville game was not anything uh, that especially North Carolina fans saw going into it after the way they played in Raleigh against NC State. Yeah, I mean, I, I, they did not look good. They gave it was very. I think it was the most uninspiring performance I've seen in recent memory from UNC. Um, I kind of asked Kenny Williams after the game if this reminded him of of any game that he's been in, uh, and he mentioned the Georgia Tech loss when he was a sophomore. He might have even been injured then uh, when they lost to Georgia Tech to open the ACC season down in Atlanta. And yeah, they, nothing really looked good. They didn't get any shot. They didn't shoot well from the the field or from three. They didn't get any points in transition. They got out rebounded. You know, every kind of statistical area you look at, they're they're beat, and they just never got into the game. And a lot of players said that, and and as did Roy Williams. And I don't know if they're going to have games similar to this, but this team I think has to shoot really well to to have a chance in games. Uh, I don't know if, if y'all dispute that, but I think they're going to have to make a, a decent percentage from, from three and from the field to win games. They can't, I, like Greg said after, I'm not sure if his team can really win ugly. They're going to have to make some threes because their inside presence has not really been shown so far this season. And they were exposed and, and looked very uninspired on Saturday. And kind of a sleepy 12 noon uh, game against a Louisville team that you know had lost a pit. Terrell, you know, it, it is what it is. Some games you win, some games you lose. Uh, the importance of Notre Dame tonight, if folks are listening to us Tuesday night, we're recording this Monday night. You know, Carolina-Notre Dame's not a, a matchup that it has been in the past. Well, of course, neither was Louisville. But one thing about this conference is you better win on your home floor. Carolina dropped one they shouldn't have. Now with Notre Dame coming in, it's that kind of game that the Tar Heels really need. And Greg and Ross and all the the post game coverage, I think that was the the sentiment I got the most was, "Wow, they really do value those two road wins by putting up such a, a clunker against Louisville on Saturday." And you start to try to project out, like, "Okay, what record do they need to do this? What record do they need to try to get the ACC tournament by and seeding and all those things?" And to get there, you've got to win your home games because it's very tough, no matter where you go. Look at Pittsburgh and, and look at. Virginia Tech and some of these teams who haven't had the best time on the road, it's very difficult to win on the road in, in the conference, especially when you're a, a team like North Carolina, who, as Ross said, really relies on skill, relies on shooting, relies on offense. Some things that uh, sometimes, as people say, don't travel well. So when you rely on those things, it makes it even tougher to go on the road. So the margin of error is really thin. And, you know, if you can't win your home games, then, you know, the goals that you set for your season just aren't, you know, they're not attainable. And I think, that's where North Carolina needs to come out on Tuesday and just be aggressive and, you know, maybe try to win ugly. You know, it doesn't have to be, they don't have to, I, I'm of the opinion, they don't have to hit 15 threes in a game to win. I think that they've shown 
um, then they can get to the basket. They can get in transition. They can get easy baskets. They can play defense, but they just haven't done it consistently. And that's been the surprising part considering, you know, five of the rotation guys are upperclassmen. And it it just goes back to Saturday. It was just really weird. I can't put my finger on it because it was just so strange to see them so lackadaisical and so kind of flippant and just just not into it. It was very, very strange as Russ said. I I can't really describe it. Uh, I use the word, again, casual. And that's let's talk about that for a minute. And I think that is what has got people frustrated that watch this team the most. And Ross, I'll come to you first with it, is the fact that there are uh, Cam Johnson, Luke May, Kenny Williams. These guys have been around forever. Cam Johnson, uh, whether it's at Carolina or at Pittsburgh, has been on the court for four years now. Luke May, same thing. Kenny Williams, same thing. And, and that, to me, watching North Carolina, this North Carolina team, is what's surprising, and and I've said it before with Terrell and with Dewey and other people on the show, is that Kobe White, a freshman, appears to be the guy that brings it every night. Now, he doesn't always bring it in the best way, but there's no doubt that he brings it. Uh, and that just didn't happen. Ross, I think that's the biggest shot, if you want to call it, for North Carolina fans, maybe even for Roy Williams and his staff, watching that team play Saturday I mean, that simply just can't happen. Yeah, I mean, Kobe White was was super – I think he was just never really got into the game and wasn't affected at all, and that was surprising because you, you need something. He's always brought it, like you said, and he kind of gets things going for UNC with his aggressive offense and defense, and he was just a non-factor. He got two fouls early. You can maybe point to that as a big reason why UNC got behind. I mean, once he was kind of out – um, you know, some of the woods didn't do much. They couldn't really get things going on either side of the ball. And yeah, for, for it seemed like they slept on this on this Louisville team and weren't prepared. And you know, we say it a hundred times. You know, you, you can't take any team in the ACC lightly, or something like that with Louisville will happen. And you know, that kind of falls a little bit on the coaching staff, but also on the seniors. I mean, they have to understand that, translate that to the sophomores and freshmen, and then bring it themselves. And I don't think. Kenny Cameron Luke really had particularly good games. I mean, no one really had a great game. And, and so I think it falls on them. And I mean, they just, it was it was shocking. And I, like I said, I don't think we'll see a performance that bad. I think it, this is a little shocking game for them that maybe could get them in line and, and, and get them going and, and proving what they really need to, to do to get a win. But um, it was bad. And uh, I think it exposed a lot of things. And, and Getting up for these games is is super important because they go so quickly. You know, it's forty minutes of game time, and if you don't bring it for for ten minutes, you could lose. And Tommy, that's why I, you know, I, I'm okay with you know for the freshmen, even the sophomores to some degree. They hadn't really had a situation like that where they had a huge win in what is a rivalry game. I don't care what anybody says. NC State is a rival. You know, Carolina fans wouldn't care so much if it wasn't. That's here nor there, but. You know, you have 72 hours, three days, three and a half days to get ready. And the seniors should, that's where they should be like, look, guys, just because, you know, you you won on Tuesday, that doesn't mean anything for Saturday. So I I can kind of forgive the freshmen because they've never experienced that before. Their biggest win was Gonzaga and they had a week off before they played again. So it was brand new to them. But you're looking for, you know, from Brandon Robinson, Seventh Woods, Luke May, from Cam Johnson and from Kenny Williams, you're looking for them to kind of bring the energy at the beginning just because they know that that can kind of be a a clunky environment, so to speak. I never thought I'd say this either because you know how I feel about it. But I do think this team is missing, you know, the the guy, the the leader, missing 
the person you go to when when things are rough. I, I don't really know that they have it. I think some people, just from talking to people around the program, I think some people have tried to take on that role and maybe it's not in their personality to really do it. And I think maybe that there are other people who can do it, but don't want to step on toes. So there's that kind of a balancing act of during the course of a season, you figure out what you are as a team and who does what. And I still think, even though we're you know, deep into the season, I still think there's that feeling out process that's going on for a lot of players on the team. Let me take a short break. We'll come back. I, I've got a topic I want to discuss uh, that is important for North Carolina. And it's something we've already mentioned, something that was mentioned in the post game on Saturday as well. All right, Sherelle, I'm going to come back to you and let's talk winning ugly, quote unquote, winning ugly. Now, can Carolina win an ugly ball game as this team is constituted? I think it remains to be seen. They have certainly won where they haven't shot the best, but I saw a stat and I don't know how, what it covered, what time period it covered. But when Carolina shoots less than 40%, like the average margin of defeat is 19 and a half points a game or something ridiculous. And, and I don't, like I said, I don't know where I saw the stat, but my question is if Carolina doesn't shoot well, like Ross said they need to do, how do they win ball games ugly? Because in the past, they've been able to pound it down low and, and get points that way. That hasn't happened um, with any sort of consistency yet this season. Well, you can still get points in the paint without having a traditional back-to-the-basket player. I mean, they were very good at that last year. And I think it's going to be the continued development of Kobe as he understands when to shoot, when not to shoot, when to dish, when to when not to dish, that kind of thing. So him getting into the paint opens up a lot of things. It opens up threes, as we've seen, but it can also open up easy layups for Brooks and, you know, guys finishing around the basket. I think there's been um, a lot of chippies missed by UNC, too, just near the rim. And that's surprising for me because I thought, uh, you know, adding Nasir Little, adding Kobe, um, a year of, you know, more strength for Garrison Brooks and a year of more conditioning and strength for Luke May might help in that regard. But it I don't know. I have to look at the data, you know, the data set, but I don't think it has, you know, just on the eye test just yet. So they're, they're getting look, I think offensively, you know, near the rim and they can score that way. It's just that to be a really good team, the threes have to, to go into. And so I don't know if they're capable of being a really good team on a neutral court ugly. I think they're capable of being a lot of teams, you know, say opening round, uh, second round type games, but I don't know if they can do that in a sweet sweet 16 uh, type matchup. So I think the answer is yes and no. Uh, depends on the caliber of the opponent. But I, I do think they're capable. They just have to continue to grow. Ross, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, especially if Kobe gets two fouls. I, I was shocked at how ineffective Carolina was on offense with Kobe White out. Um, maybe it's a function of, you know, seventh not getting it done or the shock of Kobe not being out there. But yeah, yeah, winning ugly is something you got to do in the conference. And uh, yeah, this team's going to struggle to get it done. But uh, do you think they can? Because Notre Dame's not bad. They lost one of their better players to injury, and they're not as good as they have been. But just because it's in the Smith Center obviously doesn't mean that it's a guaranteed win. Yeah, I mean, I think the the state game was a, kind of an ugly win. You know, that was, it was kind of down. They had to score. They had to get stops. They They had to – it came down to possessions at the end. And so that is a positive indication. Of course, they didn't build on that and lost to Louisville. Um, with the Kobe deal, I mean, they just didn't get anything in transition. They had four 
transition points. And when you can get things in transition, it really opens up your offense. And obviously, it's, it's easier baskets. You're getting two-on-ones. You're getting three-on-twos. They just couldn't execute in transition. They didn't get many chances. And credit to Louisville for their transition defense. And a lot of that has to do with, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, Kobe White not getting as many minutes early. And then, um, yeah, and winning, God, winning ugly. I mean, I don't think they have the personnel to really do work inside and get those gritty baskets down low that Bryce Johnson used to. I mean, I've been saying this all along this podcast, I feel like a broken record. You know, those you throw it inside and you get a, an easy two when you really need something like that. Um, you know, Luke May can kind of be that guy, but, you know, he splits his time on the perimeter and down low. And I, I really think, um, and this is a broader issue of, of misses in recruiting over the last three or four cycles, that they just do not have the uh, interior players they need to win at a really high level. You could see it last year in certain games. Um, Theo Pinson's excellent play uh, kind of hid some of those uh, those marks. But against Texas A&M, they were they're out man down low, out rebounded, out physicaled, and didn't have any answer for the, the big long players at Texas A&M. We saw that we saw it against Michigan a little bit, um, Louisville a little bit, and just the the lack of kind of an elite interior scorer, rim protector, rebounder, etc. So, but I mean, I, I've said that before and they come back and win. So, um, I mean, that's my thoughts on the kind of the winning ugly thing. I think it's an interior uh, offensive problem and, and that translates to rebounding and defense as well. Sherelle, somebody on the message board talked about the Louisville game and it's something we've talked about a plenty after losses said this game was all about being outworked, out hustled, out thought, not responding to physical play. And even our own Greg Barnes agreed with that. That being said, I think Carolina's got some guys that can do damage in the post, and one of which is, and I'm going to transition to the Nazir Little portion of the program. <laughs> we need like a, and, we need a sound. We need like a – Yeah, like ding, ding. Yeah, theme music or something. <laughs> and, and I'm going to talk about Nazir Little in the post. And, and Sherelle, we talked about it a little bit off air as we were watching Syracuse beat Duke. I mean, he can be effective there, I think. And maybe he can be effective on the perimeter, but he hasn't been very often if he can't beat the guy off the dribble. But in the post, you know, there's some guys that he, he won't be able to score consistently against, maybe in the conference, maybe some of the Florida State bigs. But there, there's not many people that can hold him down. And even when he has a bad game against Louisville or whatever, he he's effective doing that. So why not put him there? and put him at the four and see what happens. Yeah, I think the numbers in the eye test don't match on this one. I think the numbers, from what I can gather, say that maybe that's not the best thing for North Carolina. I think the eye test says that that's could really help find him a role for one because I still think his role is kind of undefined. I still think he is lacking confidence um, from, you know, just from throughout the season. You know, he started off – pretty well i think um his, his first game wasn't great and he came out i believe had 21 and kind of was up and down and then you know the last four or five games his you can tell that he's just not a confident player and you know getting to the basket and, and you know being six or seven feet away uh getting some easy shots i think that's that can really help your confidence and then the one the, the things that we know about him for certain are that he's you know willing to do what the team wants or willing to do what the coaches ask to help the team win that He's six six, and that everyone on the team to to a T says he's one of the most athletic players they've ever played with, and that he's very strong. So you know, add all that stuff together, and I think he can really be a mismatch 
um, down there at the four. So I'm not, not permanently, not 30 minutes a game or anything, but just in stretches. Um, he's someone that I think they can throw the ball to and, and good things can happen. You know, he's done it before. You know, I think it's two, it's only two points against state. Um, came off of a slip screen when he was playing the four, I believe. He was down there battling. Uh, I think he just needs to be closer to the rim in general until he can get some of his confidence back and then expand his game outward. But when you're struggling, what do you do? You go to the basket, you try to get to the free throw line. And when that stuff starts to happen, then I think maybe things will open up for him a little bit. Yeah, Ross, I mean, I look at his stats. He's shooting 20, 21% from three-point range. Um, You know, you take that out of his shooting and he's, you know, what is he, up close to 60%. I just see him as a four and like Sherelle said, and Adrian's article talks about Nas at the four doesn't really look good numbers wise. I think it looks good. And and I think Carolina needs to use it more often because I really think Cam Johnson, no way in the world Cam Johnson's a four, even if he happens to walk out there in the four spot, he is a three. If there ever was one, uh, your thoughts overall on that line. Yeah, I mean, I think y'all y'all are kind of nailing great points. I mean, physically, he may be more of the outside of maybe Garrison Brooks, one of the more phys- and maybe Luke May, one of the more physically imposing players in terms of just you know how thick he is and his height and his strength. And you add in that athleticism, yeah, I think he can dominate some smaller players down low. I think he needs to crash the boards. He needs to mix it up down there, getting to uh, get to the free throw line. Like Sherell said, looking at his numbers here, he's taken forty one free throws. Uh, he's made 29, so he's uh, you know he's top five on the team in free throws taken, which I guess would, would be what you expect. Um, he's right there with Garrison Brooks at 44. Kenny Williams has taken 35, um, so he's right in there. But I think he's done well when he you know attacks the basket and tries to get offensive rebounds and, and putbacks when he is you know kind of cutting from the baseline or cutting from the low post and getting the ball there. That just needs to be his game. When he's dribbling outside the perimeter, I think every kind of fan kind of thinks it's just, it's just, it's not nothing. Nothing's happening when he's dribbling uh, outside the three point line, you know, trying to orchestrate some play or trying to beat his man off the dribble. You, you kind of thought he could be that one-on-one player, but it's proven that maybe he's not there yet. So yeah, I, I think him, you know, getting the ball in the high post, the low post, Catching it there, making one dribble and a move is, is a great offensive plan for him. And I'm, I'm sure the staff has thought of this. I'm sure it's what they want to do. Um, it just hasn't happened uh, maybe as quickly or as effectively. And it's easy to say that now. It's harder to actually make that happen. I, I just think, you know, he's he's just too talented and too hard of a worker. And the team needs him too much for him not to come through. I, I just, I, I don't know when it's going to happen. I know we've been saying it. I know people are frustrated. I know he's frustrated. I know the Carolina coaching staff is frustrated, but I, I still think that he will have a major impact on this season. Now, you know, we're running out of time for him to do that, but I, I still think he will just because of everything that we mentioned before. It's, it's just hard to keep talented players, you know, down. It's hard for talented players to stay in slumps for, for, you know, long periods of time. I think talent always wins through. I think that'll happen with him. It's just a matter of when. I think he's got to you know, score early in games. I think I think anybody who's played basketball, that, that kind of makes you feel comfortable scoring early and scoring at easy shot attempts, even like a free throw or something down low, even a dunk can kind of get you in the flow. And it makes a whole game offensively uh, go easier. Um, that would be good to see. And I do, I really think you need to keep playing him and definitely don't limit his, his, 
as minutes. Um, I think in, in one game he he wasn't on. I think it was a loss, a recent loss. He just wasn't on the court at the end when they when they were using trying to get back in the game, and that was a little disconcerting. Um, considering I think how important he he should be for this team. And yeah, there's plenty of games left, like you said, Sherelle. I mean, we just started the ACC season. We got all of January, all of February, and then uh, a good part of March as well. Uh, last quick break. Come back, talk to Sherelle, Sherelle McMillan and Ross Martin. Uh, the Nas Little portion of the show is not over. It will be when we get right back. Sherelle, it reminds me a little bit of John Henson's first year. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, this day and age, kids don't stick around because the money is just too much to pass up. Uh, and Nas Little, his, you know, his projections are just too high to even remotely think about coming back if they remain there. But he would benefit from coming back. But do you think his overall game has will benefit from his struggles this season, Sherelle? Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm a big believer. I don't want to use a cliche, so I won't use a cliche. But I think, uh, you know, times like this help define kind of who you are and they tell you how you handle certain situations. They tell you um, how you will handle certain situations in the future. And I think he's learning a lot about himself. He's learning truly how much he does or doesn't love basketball, which I think he does a lot. Um, He's learning how to accept different coaching than maybe he's received before. He's learning how to try to quickly integrate into a team. Um, he's learning just a lot of stuff, how to balance a lot of things. And really, if you if you take the analogy a little bit further, it's not that much dissimilar from someone who goes off to college in their first year. You're, you're learning when to study. You're learning, uh, you know, that you have to eat on your own, that you have to find your own meals, that you have to go to class, that you have to sleep, when to get up. All those things that you're learning how to balance, he's doing that, but he's doing it you know, at the ACC basketball level. And it's playing out, of course, in front of millions of people where your normal college student doesn't play out that way. But I think it's very similar to that. And for a lot of people, you know, sometimes the, the light bulb goes off in January, February of their uh, freshman year. Sometimes it goes off after they graduate. <laughs> it's just, it's very different for, for different people. But he is just in knowing his family, knowing him over the last, you know, year and a half, he's very, very mature. And I think that helps him deal with everything because it is a lot of pressure when, you know, a fan base starred for a top five player, um, a one and done who's going to generate highlights on ESPN when they sign that player and he realizes all that is kind of on him, even though you don't try to think about it, it's it's impossible not to. Um, So he's done a good job, I think, of keeping the noise you know to a minimum keeping it to his inner circle but you know it's it's difficult and it's hard and he's still a freshman and it's only january 13th so there's still time i always preach patience i know that it can be uh frustrating for everyone to watch but i do think in the end talent wins out and i I think he'll i think he'll be okay and we're at that time of the year where changes usually happen so we'll see what happens with nasir and i I think um if he can get in the groove i think he'll start playing a lot better because like we've talked about it's all about some serious confidence and no matter how good you are confidence still matters i think it matters a lot for nasir we'll see uh we're leaving the nasir portion of the show and ross i'm gonna come to you um and i'm gonna start with you because i know sherelle loves this kid and that's leaky black and you know, I think it's probably about time where he starts seeing a large portion of the backup point guard minutes. Um, that may be a discussion we can have, but he's just looked so smooth in his last 
a few minutes. He's only getting 12 minutes a game, which I think he needs more. Uh, but your thoughts on Leakey's play, I mean, far beyond his years, at least from what I can tell. Yeah, I think whenever he gets in the game, he always does something positive, whether it be defense or, you know, not, he's been knocking down this mid-range pull-up. I think every game he gets in, it seems like it's so smooth. And he's shooting a pretty high high percentage from the field, uh, 52.5% from the field, 50% from three. He hasn't shot too many threes. But when you, I mean, I think a lot of people agree that he should play more. You really like his leak, length on the perimeter um, and what he can do offensively and as a ball handler. But uh, this is kind of maybe leads into what maybe Shrell can add. I mean, who do you take out? Do you, do you just put him in instead of Woods and make Woods more of a third option at point guard? Or do you bring Black in along, uh, you know, next to a White or a Woods and take minutes away from Robinson, um, who's who's been pretty solid recently? So I think the general consensus among us would be that that Leakey does deserve more minutes and has looked good in, in the 12.3 minutes per game he is getting. But, um, I mean, who? I guess who? I, I'll pose it to Sherelle. I mean, who do you kind of take out? How does Roy Williams work him more into the lineup? And, uh, and what do you see for him kind of moving forward with the rest of the ACC slate? Well, the good thing about Leakey, everybody talks about his versatility, how he can play multiple positions. I think he can play with anybody. And what I mean by that is, you know, he left Concord High School when he was a sophomore. He was the undisputed man. It was his team. Uh, you know, he was asked to score, distribute, do everything. Then he left and went to Mount Verde down in Florida, and he played with R.J. Barrett. So he didn't shoot that much. Um, he had the ball in his hands, and he was a distributor, kind of a facilitator, kind of the high basketball IQ guy um, when he was there. And then he left and came back home to Cox Mill, where he played with Wendell Moore. And again, Wendell was more the the scorer on the team, and it was uh, Leakey's job to facilitate and kind of do everything else. So he's used to playing with really good players. And, I, you know, people underestimate that. But when you are coming from, you know, a, you're coming from Southview High School, that's where I went to. Say you're coming from Southview High School where you score 40 points a game, you're the man, that's it. It takes a while to get used to playing with people who are also the man at their high school. But for Leakey, he's done that uh, at AU. He's done that in high school. He's done it at pretty much every level. So that helps his de- development a little bit. And that's why he seems probably more advanced um, playing in the team concepts than some of the other players. So that's part one for Leakey. I think I, I would I would sub him in for Kenny some. And I say that because Kenny's so valuable to North Carolina that him – playing 34 or 35 minutes at the style and pace that he plays at, I don't really know that's sustainable. And, you know, Kenny has had some injuries in his career. So I think it, it, it would be good for North Carolina to maybe dial back his minutes a bit and say, okay, you're going to get 28 minutes, you know, go as hard as you possibly can. Not that it's going to be a problem for Kenny, but, um, you know, bringing Linky in, you keep that defensive intensity that you had with Kenny and, you know, he's not the shooter that Kenny is, but he can score in different ways, posting up, getting to the rim, all those things. So that that would be kind of my plan uh, was be uh, to get him some in at the two. Um, also some at, at you know, the uh, backup point guard spot, depending on foul trouble and everything. But I think the rotation is pretty set there. Um, but just integrate him and just tell him to go be a basketball player. That's what you do with Leakey. Um, and, you know, I, I think he can do some good things this year. And then he's going to be just super important next year just because of what they're likely losing. You know, he's a key piece for whatever next year's team looks like. Your comments there about not being the man on the team reminds me of back in the day, probably when you were 
not at Southview yet. Sports Illustrated used to have ads, and it said, "How does it feel just to be another high school All American?" And it had like a Alabama football practice going on or something like that. So he he has done well to blend in. You know, it's funny. Everybody loves Leaky, and then you look at the stats, and you you know you realize how important he is. You look at the stats, and he averages three point three and two point four. I don't know if a guy garners. <laughs> You have to be special to garner the love he gets and just have those numbers. I you just see the potential. I mean, Ross talked about it. You know, uh, you just see what he can be just with a little bit of improvement. He's not far away. And I think that's what excites people. And the fact that more than likely he'll be back for a couple of years. I think that really gets people excited. Um, but yeah, he's he's got a ton of talent. And that's why, you know, people... I don't say they laughed at him, but there were people very skeptical of Roy Williams offering him so early. You know, he offered him the fall semester of his sophomore season. And there were people who were saying, well, you know, why would Carolina offer him that early? They can get that kid later. And I think you're seeing the benefits of it now. That's another thing. He's been committed for so long that he has been a part of the team for so long that I feel like maybe that helped his integration a little bit. Yeah, I think uh, UNC fans should be super, you know, pleased with his development so far. And I think he's showing, I think he's a little bit more, I think he's farther along than many expected. Uh, and then obviously the fact that it seems like he's going to be a, two, three, four, probably three, four-year player at UNC and and definitely a key part of this team for the next uh, foreseeable future is, is is great for UNC fans. Yep, a couple things. You can't teach the length, and, and he's got that, and he's always going to have that. And you can't teach the IQ as much as he's displayed, and, and that's only and, going to improve. And, and seems like a, a really good kid uh, and a, a good team team guy as well. Ross, I'll come to you to wrap the show. Give me a topic we haven't hit that maybe you think or a player, and, and I ask this every time, so you got to be prepared, um, that we haven't talked about that maybe is, in, is in important as anything we've discussed on this show. Uh, I thought Kenny hit some shots. Uh, against Louisville. I mean, it looked like he's a little more comfortable in getting – I think he had some shots against State as well, looking a little more comfortable. It seems like that little drought he had is 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 over, and he's knocking out some threes, which is good to see because they're definitely going to need him. Because um, I really think that Kenny, Cam, and Luke have to score in, in, you know close to double figures pretty consistently throughout the season for this team to be – to, to compete at a high level because you're not – I don't know where else they can get the scoring from. You know, Kobe White, he can he can score a lot, but he's had some games where he doesn't. Uh, and other than that, I mean, Brooks, maybe double figures here and there, but those three guys, Kenny Cam and Luke, and, and seeing Kenny knock down some shots against State and then a, in a loss uh, against Louisville was was reassuring, and, and that's definitely good for his senior season. Terrell, your take, something we haven't talked about that we probably should have. Oh, uh, man. Um I really, I'm kind of lost for words, you know. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess, you know, uh, Cam Johnson has just been, I was kind of surprised that he, I tweeted this out, I was surprised he didn't make, Cam Johnson didn't make the wooden midseason list because uh, I feel like he's having, you know, out, outside of Durham, I feel like he's having as good a season as anybody in the ACC. Um, I mean, he's shooting a tremendous percentage, he's scoring well. He's become a really adept rebounder and he's passing the ball now and, and getting some assists. So, uh, I just really like what he's done for uh, UNC this season. And again, not to get back on my high horse, but it raises the point that, you know, recruiting figures itself out most of the time because no one on earth two years ago thought that Carolina's leading scorer would be the guy from Pittsburgh who went off on Carolina the season before. So this stuff, it, 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 it works itself out most of the time. Not all the time, but most of the time it works itself out and Carolina will find players and they will be okay moving forward. 
Indeed. Speaking of recruiting trail, last part of the show, <laughs> any news? I told you I was going to ask you, but any? It, it's been kind of quiet. I saw Cole Anthony uh, doing his Twitter thing and ball is life thing, but any relevant news that North Carolina fans might be interested in? Uh, you know, uh, Roe Williams has been out, you know, seeing a couple of guys uh, the last week or so um, watch their games, but mostly it's just going to be that Roe Williams getting out to games. Um, I think, you know, once, you know, Keon Brooks, who's a 2019 forward, once he makes his decision, that will impact kind of what North Carolina does next. And then you've got the decisions of Cole Anthony and Matt Hurt that are probably going to come, you know, really they could come anytime between March and April, maybe into May, depending upon NBA decisions and all that stuff. So there's a ways to go with 2019. And then the uh, transfer stuff and the grad transfer stuff will start heating up in March. So that's kind of where they're at with 2019. And then they're beginning to kind of open up things with 2020 a little bit. So that's what will be going on for the next couple of months. And then, of course, the evaluation period is in uh, at the end of April. Let me jump in real quick. With those uh, players that UNC is still going after in this class, Matthew. so it's pretty much Matthew Hurt, Keon Brooks, the precious guy out of New York who's playing in Florida right now, and Cole Anthony. Are those kind of the big four we're looking at? Are we missing anybody? Yeah, yeah, that's the four that they have uh, have offers out to right now. Um, you know, there's still room, I think, for when the coaching change happens or someone opens up their recruitment for them to jump in. But those are the four primary guys that they're looking at in 2019 right now. All right, boys, that'll do us for tonight. Carolina and Notre Dame, 9 p.m. in the Smith Center. Need to bounce back after a loss at home. Can't have two straight losses at home, not the unranked opponents, especially. Hills and Irish, 9 o'clock. I'll have a post game after that one with Dewey Burke. We'll talk to you then. Ross Sherrill, thanks. Good, Tommy. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.